Today is a special day. Uh, it's been designated as an end it now. How many have heard end it now? A term, end it now. A few hands have gone up. This is a letter that came from our general conference president, Pastor Ted Nelson, um, in regards to this. Um, it's the Seventh-day Adventist Church president statement on end it now. Every day, thousands of innocent people around the world, many of them children, experience abuse. Abuse comes in many forms. Domestic violence, rape, child sexual abuse, human trafficking, female genital mutilation, and many other horrific forms. As Seventh-day Adventists, we condemn in all forms and embrace the healing ministry of Jesus to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Luke 4, verses 18 and 19. End It Now is a global initiative developed by the Seventh-day Adventist Church to raise awareness and advocate for the end of violence around the world. The initiative was launched in 2009 in partnership between the Adventist Development Relief Agency, ADRA, we've all heard of ADRA, yeah, and the Department of Women's Ministries in the General Conference. Sadly, abuse cuts across all countries, people groups, and denominations, including the Seventh-day Adventist Church. The End It Now initiative seeks to increase personal awareness, responsibility, and involvement to effectively help and end violence in every family and community. As president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, I urge Seventh-day Adventists around the world to acquaint themselves with the materials available at enditnow.org and to host an End It Now event at their local church to bring awareness and to share solutions on ways to end this global problem. That's his message for today. Today is a special day. In your bulletin, you will have received one of the handouts one of the pieces that you will be receiving today, breaking the silence. Violence can be ended, but the only way it's going to end is we voice it. I am currently taking a course uh, through Andrews University to receive my master's in pastoral ministry. And one of the last classes that I took was on family marriage, and interpersonal relationships. Between you and me, that was one class I was not looking forward to. And you'll understand a little bit more as we go along. One of the things I was asked to do at that class, by the way, I was the only female at that class. I had 19 fellow classmates who were all male. And so the professor asked me, if you could, do you think you could read this? And I said, okay, I'll try. It's entitled, I Got Flowers Today. And it's dedicated to all battered women. 
I got flowers today. It wasn't my birthday or any other special day. We had our first argument last night, and he said a lot of cruel things that really hurt. I know that he is sorry he didn't mean to say the things he said because he sent me flowers today. I got flowers today. It wasn't our anniversary or any special day. Last night, he threw me into a wall and then started choking me. It seemed like a nightmare, but you wake, but you wake up from nightmares to find they aren't real. I got flowers today, and it wasn't Valentine's Day or any other special day. Last night, he beat me and threatened to kill me. Makeup and long sleeves didn't hide the cuts and bruises this time. I couldn't go to work today because I didn't want anyone to know. But I know he's sorry because he sent me flowers today. I got flowers today. It wasn't Mother's Day or any other special day. Last night, he beat me again, and it was much worse than all the other times. If I leave him, what will I do? How will I take care of the kids? What about money? I'm afraid of him, but I'm too scared and dependent to leave him. But he must be sorry because he sent me flowers today. I got flowers today. Today was a very special day. It was the day of my funeral. Last night, he finally killed me. I was beaten to death. If only I could have gathered the courage and strength to leave him. The women's shelter could have helped me, but I didn't ask for their help. So I got flowers today for the last time. I did the same thing, class. And I'm not going to apologize for it. I was the second of four children and for some reason I was the one that got in trouble the most I was always being punished I was used to being punished is this on? Oh, it's on? Okay. I was used to being punished it's not on it's on? Hey, we are on we're up and rocking I was used to being punished, and yet I questioned, why, why, why am I being punished? What did I do to be punished so much for? And it was interesting, my parents, my mother, when I was 14 years old, told my father, if you hit her one more time, I will leave you. So consequently, as time went on, I ended up in an abusive relationship. As May told, told you, I got my nursing diploma from the School of Nursing at the Northrop Branson Hospital. And, I, and graduated in 1972 and got married in 1976. Uh, this marriage ended in divorce in 2000. Why? Because of physical, emotional, and financial abuse. I was the one that worked. I worked long hours. I was the one that did the work on both the hospital and on the farm. 
he planned. He set, had a logical mind. He planned things out, how he was going to have one of the most amazing farms up in northern Ontario. He had big dreams, and he was busy dreaming those dreams. But I was working. Day and night, I was working. In April of 2005, three years after the divorce, I was called by the Ontario Conference. Now this is where it gets a little bit interesting. As Marie said, I'm a Bible worker, pastor, up in Cochrane, Moosonee, Fort Albany, Attawapiskat, and I do Bible studies over in Smooth Rock Falls and Kaposkasing and Erica uh, Falls. I got called in 2005 to hold the fort until we get a pastor up there. Unfortunately, the pastor who was the president at that time, they presented to the Timmins congregation a check to pay off their mortgage. And one of the members from the Hillerberry Church asked, does Allison work for you? And he said, no. And as I told Marie and Dave last night, he basically signed my death decree. <laughs> um, because Timmons and Hillerberry do not accept me as a pastor, although in the last couple of years they are now starting to realize that, yes, I'm more of a pastor than a Bible worker and so forth. All my life I've had to prove myself. All my life I've had to show that I was worthy to receive praise. Praise? What is praise? Now, I'm going to ask you for a show of hands. How many of you have ever had someone say something nasty to you? Both men and women are putting their hands up. How many of you have ever had people come back to you and say, I am sorry for saying that nasty thing to you? There's fewer hands going up, but there are some hands going up. When we do something to somebody else that demeans them, that puts them down, we are being either what you could call a bully or an abuser. And it's here in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Now, a question I could ask you, how many has ever said something nasty to somebody else? Yeah, uh, me too. I'm one of those who has said something nasty to somebody else. The hands that keep going up. We are in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Bullying, abuse is not something that we don't have to worry about. It is in our midst. I was married to Bill for 22 years. When I think back, and they say hindsight is 2020, when I think back, I'm trying to think, okay, did I have any signs that showed up? And I can't say I can think of any that would have shown up except for one time 
that I had said that there's something going on with the, uh, the car. It seems to be bouncing more than it should when I touch the brake. And Bill made the comment, oh, is it bouncing like this? And I said, no. And his father said, oh, no, no. And I, that's the only hint that I might, that I, if I can grab hold of it. Because it was six months into our marriage that he hit me the first time. It wasn't before. When you are hit before, men and women run. The first time you're hit. If you're not married, run. If you are married, tell somebody. Do not keep it silent. When you look at some of the people around you, look for the signs and symptoms. A little bit later on, I'll be going to go through some of these signs and symptoms to watch for. But you have to be involved. We talked in the Sabbath school lesson this morning that we can have the intellectual knowledge, but if we don't put it into action, that's all it is, is intellectual knowledge. The Jewish mindset is such that wisdom to them is they apply the knowledge that they have received. Wisdom is the beginning of knowledge, right? Wisdom is the fear of the Lord. If we have the fear of the Lord, and it's the beginning of knowledge, we have to put into practice. This morning in my devotional time, I was reading in Luke, <coughs> and it was the story of the three servants who had received so many minus, and one increased his minus to ten minus, from five minus to ten minus, and the one went from two to four, and the one said, here's your minus, I know you to be hard, and so forth. And knowing, understanding about the mentality of the Jewish thinking, yes, okay, it made sense to me. You have to put into practice what you see, what you understand. How many would intervene if they saw somebody hitting somebody else? There's a few hands that will go up. Have you ever been in that situation? You have been in that situation. And that's good that you have been in that situation that you had to have that somebody came in. So often I have been in with a group of people that come out and say, uh, you hear somebody, and I used Dave and Marie as the example last evening. I hear David saying something nasty to Marie. How often do we say, oh, okay, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Oh, that's, that's invariably how we do it. We go over and we're embarrassed. We want to hide our face. Instead of, Dave, you shouldn't have said that to your wife. She's a special lady. What are you saying that for? What do you think Dave's reaction is going to be the next time that he tries to do that? He probably won't do it. Because he'll be glancing around to see if somebody else is watching him. You have to get involved. You have to get involved. I am not going to go into a lot of details about my married life. 
because I see young children here. And I really don't want them to be exposed, even being told about this happening. But I can guarantee you that the night that I left, one more would have killed me. To receive the flowers. I don't want to receive them for my funeral. I want to receive them when I'm still alive and can enjoy them. But God was with me all the way through. God guided me so that I would know what he wanted with my life. When God, when I was married, during the time I was married, the first half of my marriage, I was asking God, please help me to save this marriage. Give me strength to do what needs to be done to save this marriage. Three quarters of the way through, my prayer changed. If you want me to leave, tell me. I was focusing on God to guide me through this time of what I was going through. But one time, uh, he decided to take a two-by-four to me. It broke. A perfectly good two-by-four. It didn't break on me. It broke before it hit me. I wonder how that happened. He went to pick up something else, and it broke in his hands. So he could not hit me with anything but his hands and his feet. We serve an amazing God. God pulled this through for me. Yes, did I have pain? Yes. Did I have bruising? Yes. Did I sort of wonder if there would be a light at the end of the tunnel? Yes. But God was with me every step of the way through. But the thing that I noticed, the church members that we associated with, and they were Seventh-day Adventists. There was this group in Timmins that we went to church in Timmins. And then uh, those Sabbaths that we didn't get down to Timmins, we went to the Mennonite church in, on Sunday. And the Mennonite church is no different from the Seventh-day Adventist church. When you hear something being derogatory said or something, a lock or um, you know, a little pinch or something like that, everybody says, mm-hmm. I had two ladies, one from the Mennonite church and one from the Adventist church, telling me afterwards they were afraid of Bill. If you hear even another church member saying, you know, know, I'm not really sure about this person. What do you think? That should be spoken out loud. Don't hide it under a bushel. Get involved. Let people know what is going on in a person's life. It may look as though everything is hunky-dory in your church. People in your church may say, well, everything is wonderful. Mrs. So-and-so, she has left her husband because she was abused, but we don't talk about that. Don't talk to her about it. She'll get upset if you talk to her about abuse. Really? Do you want her to heal? On the flip side, I'm going to use Dave and Marie because those are the two I know. Um, David, where are you? Oh, there you are. I could use you too. (laughs) 
Let's say Dave is being abused by Marie. Funny, isn't it? David being abused by Marie? Wow, is that ever cool? Huh? Nah, men don't get abused. Do they? They do. Wait a minute. You mean we have to now start considering the men who might be abused by their wives? If you'll notice, Pastor Nelson put it, domestic violence. It could be either the husband or the wife. In my class at university, one of my fellow classmates, as I said, there were 20 of us in the class, 19 of the men, and there's me. They all knew I had been abused because I told my story to them. One of the pastors was abused as well. And the reaction of the class to hearing that he had been abused compared to me being abused opened my eyes beyond belief. They were very protective, sheltering me and welcoming me in through their numbers. Well, you should have manned it up. Why didn't you? Why didn't you man it up? And I finally had to speak up in class. I said, he was going through the exact same thing that I was going through, except that he's a man and he's getting it worse because you're abusing him right now. And the professor gave me an A. <laughs> Too often we look at people and we say, oh, you got a beard. You're not, you shouldn't be a part of this group. Or you're in a black dress. You shouldn't be wearing a black dress. You shouldn't be a part of this. We tend to put items in front of a person instead of looking at the individual that God created. Who created us? God. Does God want us to belittle one and lift up another? Is God a God like that? Or is he a God that looks at each one of us individually as something special because he threw the mold away? There's only one on me. Some people are thankful there's only one on me. But others are wishing, I wish there were more of you. But God made each one of us so special that he threw the mold away each time he made one of us. Before we were knitted in our mother's wombs, he created us. He knew us. He had a name for us. And when we get to heaven, we're going to find out what those names are. And we're going to realize, oh, yes, I heard that different times. God is with us each and every day. Isaiah 43, verses 2 and 3. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall be, not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. Why? Because I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. Isaiah 
There were so many times I really thought that the water was going to overflow on me. There were so many times I thought, oh, no, there's no way I can do this. And then I would remember this passage. I had been told by teachers and principals, you don't have enough intelligence to do the five-year arts and science course. My mother had to fight for me to take that five-year arts and science. They said she's too young. She's only 16 years old going into grade nine. I failed grade five. That's how stupid I am. Somebody say something. Thank you. But I was told that I was stupid. And I got to believe that. The more that you told something about yourself that is not very good, have you noticed the more you believe it? In our Sabbath school lesson, I was sharing with the, uh, the members that were there that we remember what we say because we have to hear our voice outside our ears to remember. Just to write it down, we don't remember everything. Just to see it, we don't remember it. But when we speak, we begin to remember more. And so when you are told that you're stupid, that you're an idiot, you're nothing, you're nobody, you begin to believe it. So I did the five-year arts in science. I was passing, got through it. But I read that and I realized that God put that passage in the Bible for me to remind me that whatever I was going through at that time, he was going to take care of me. Isaiah 53, 3, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. You know, I can never, never, never read that passage. There's no doubt that Jesus knew what I was going through for those 22 years. He knew because he had been rejected. He had been despised. In all things, he was tempted like we are tempted. There is not one new thing that any of us go through that no one has ever gone through because Jesus has already gone through it. And he put these passages in his word to remind us that we belong to him. Ellen White in Desire of Ages 439 says, When we see Jesus, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, working to save the lost, slighted, scorned, derided, driven from city to city till his mission was accomplished. When we behold him in Gethsemane, sweating great drops of blood, and on the cross dying in agony, when we see this, self will no longer clamber to be recognized. Was I abused? Yeah. Was I beaten? Yeah. Was I manipulated? Yeah. But God brought me through it. And how did Jesus respond when he was condemned, when he was put down? The same as what I do. He turned to God. He talked to his dad. 
Jesus' dad is my dad. Some people, you call our Heavenly Father your dad? How horrible. No, he's my dad. He's my dad because he brought me through that and he still has plans for me, which I don't know. I don't know what the end of his plans for me. Every single one of us sitting here, God has a plan for your life. You may not know what it is at this point in time, but he's got a plan for you. It may be here in Belleville. It may be up in Cochrane, Ontario, or it could be Cochrane, Alberta. He has a plan for each of our lives, but the one plan that we all are going to enjoy is what? Getting to heaven. Isn't it going to be cool to go to heaven, to meet up with each of you, and I won't have to say, well, you know, I have to leave tomorrow to head back home because I've got work to do. I could go and spend two centuries with you, get to know who you really are, What brings that beautiful smile on that face of yours? To see you contemplating, okay, can we work this out? We're going to be studying. We're still going to be in school. For you young people who are hoping to finish school in the next year or two, sorry, you're going to be in school. We're going to be spending eternity in school. But we'll be with the master teacher as he teaches us. Right now, all we've been doing is tickling, not the the ivories, but tickling the surface of Scripture. We look at Scripture and we try to understand what is it. And God brings us to understand more and more as we go along. At an early age, I knew that Christ was in my life. I was six years old when my parents became Seventh-day Adventists. And I always sensed there was something there about God. Even though I left for a time, a period of time, when I was married to Bill. Oh, by the way, I didn't tell you. Bill and I were Seventh-day Adventists, married in a Seventh-day Adventist church. Okay? It's in the Adventist church. Abuse is in the Adventist church. Just making sure that you are aware, abuse is here Bullying is here. Demeaning people is here. Putting people down is here. God made each one of us. And he wants us to treat each other as though we were closest of kin. Oh, wait a minute. We are kin. Oh, yeah. You're not uh, Marie, who I just met last night. You and I are related. We go way, way back. You know, when we think back of how far back our lineage goes. Yeah. I forgot about that. Hmm. Jesus took the blows for me so many times. There is a period of time that is gone from my memory. There's about six months that I just, I've thought about it different times. And I said, God... You know, if you want to leave it out of my memory, that's fine because I can't remember the last six months of my married life. As much as I want to try to remember it, I can't. The, uh, after I left Bill and 
Let me back up. In March of 2005, Bill and I were putting a trench in to put water lines in from this big barn that Bill wanted to build over to where the well was going to be dug. And it would have been fine in March to dig the trench, except on the day that we were going to dig it, the temperature soared up to 15 degrees. What happens to snow at 15 degrees? So every time we dug the ditch, and he, had, he wanted the hole, the ditch, the trench to be eight feet deep. Because he did not want anything to freeze. Put two lines in, so that if one happened to one, he would have the other one. This is how fixated he was on having everything according to what he wanted. And so the snow is melting, filling up the trench. We had to go and buy a, what they call a trash pump, from the rental place. So it's pumping out the water as fast as it's pouring in. We ended up having two backhoes come and digging up the trench. November 2005, I'm back home and I run into one of the backhoe operators. And he says, you know, Allison, I remember back in March, Jerry and I had gone for lunch and we planned how we were going to kill Bill. They said they they had never seen anyone treat another person the way Bill was treating me that day. And I said, my first comment, I'm so glad you didn't. They even told me how they were going to do it. The one, like, there was the shovels on the buckles. One was going to bop him on the head, send him down, and the other one was going to let the side go and cover him up. I said, I am so glad you didn't. And I began to realize he was that mean to me. I was blocking it off. I was beyond feeling anymore. But you know, God was there as well. When I left Bill, it was October the 7th, and there was a big event, uh, and I went to my co-worker's house for two nights. That was Wednesday and Thursday. And Friday, I drove down to Newmarket. You might have had the same thing on October the 9th, Friday evening. Uh, Dr. Um, Dr. Uh, Andrews University Minister at Pioneer Memorial, Dwight Nelson. Dr. Dwight Nelson, he held an evangelistic crusade. Did you hear it here? It was downloaded satellite. It was a satellite event. I came down on that Friday. My sister was at work, and uh, so my niece said, well, why did you come with us? And that's where I gave my heart back to God, through Dr. Dwight Nelson. God was with me every step of the way, and he brought me back to the complete healing. Um, I am proud I'm going to say that. I am proud of what he has done. Because I am not just a victim. I am not just a survivor. I'm a thriver. I'm thriving for the work that God has given me to do. I love what I am doing. When I retired from nursing, and and then four years ago, I started into the uh, Master's of Pastoral Ministry, 
I just came, became alive. Okay, side note, had nothing to do with the, the, what we're talking about. I'm going to tell you a little bit what God, you know, he has a sense of humor. Have you noticed that about God? He enjoys, he enjoys hearing us laugh and so forth. I had to get a transcript for my highest grade that I had completed. I don't have a bachelor's degree. I'm working on my master's, but I don't have a bachelor's. So I had to get a, uh, the School of Nursing. Now, in case you ever want to get your transcript from the School of Nursing, you'll have to get it from Seneca College. So I went to Seneca College to get my School of Nursing transcript. They sent, sent it to me. It was, it's sitting on microfiche sent it to me, and went down to Andrews University. Andrews said, no, we need an original. Isn't God funny? He knows full well there's not going to be an original transcript. So I contacted Seneca. I said, they want an original. They want a seal on it and so forth. And that's when Seneca came out and said, well, I'm sorry, but we're not even going to be able to get you a copy. Oh, why is that? Well, when we were putting the microfiche back in to, uh, to, to put it back in the storage, about four feet of it or three feet of it shattered. So transcripts for whatever fits on about three feet are all shattered. They aren't going to get any original. So Andrews finally had to accept the copy that I sent to them. They weren't any too happy, but that's okay. God has it in his hands. He knows what he's doing. God loves each one of us. When we look at the things of a person who is being abused, whether it's domestic violence, whether it's a male being abused, a female being abused, whether it's bullying that's going on, you know, there are signs and symptoms that take place. When you look at some of these signs and symptoms, there's a cycle of violence that takes place. There's the acute explosion then there's a honeymoon phase, and I went through all that honeymoon phase. And then there is a tension building. You're making me do this. You're the one that's to blame for doing this. And we have that cycle of violence. And there's that power and control. Who is going to take the control? Who's going to abdicate? And we want to end the violence. Not just against women and girls that's on this sheet. We want to end the violence. Look at the violence in Charlottesville. Horrendous. Who says one culture is better than another culture? I am proud to see that there's a, I, I'm sort of glancing across, and I think I see at least 12 different cultures sitting here. We're a multicultural church, and we should have absolute love for one another. That's what God wanted us, isn't it? God wanted us to have that. There's also the different types of violence. There's the sexual violence, the physical violence. Using children. Excuse me. That sweetheart. You protect her. She's a diamond. Economic abuse. Using male privileges and using female privileges. Using coercion. 
using intimidation, using emotional abuse. Oh, how about isolation? I grew up, I was born and raised in southwestern Ontario. I ended up in Cochrane, Ontario. Bill wanted to get me as far away from his family as he possibly could. And there are red flags for abusive relationships, and they occur in all instances. In all instances. And you, there are cues that might indicate an abusive relationship, might feel you're afraid to break down, and you break up with them. You feel as though you're tied down. I received flowers. She felt tied down. What was she going to do? Where can she go? How can she do it? These are handouts that I'm going to ask the deacons if they would mind passing them out to however far. I made 40 copies. And uh, I hope that you will not take it with you. I said, okay, it's put on the cupboard, in the back cupboard. Look at it. Study them. Know them. So that you know how to respond while the abuse is going on, but also how to respond to someone who has fled, who has escaped. When I, I talked about Dr. Dwight Nelson, two weeks into his... Into his um, satellite meetings. I knew that the, that Sabbath he was going to be talking about the myths and miracles of marriage, the second Sabbath that I was away. Friday morning, I had called to my boss to tell her I'm going to be coming back and doing my week of nights. I'd been gone for two weeks. Yeah, not a problem. Then she dropped the bombshell, he's still looking for you. They did not tell anybody at the hospital where I had gone. They just, but I was down in Newmarket at my sister's place. My brother let me use his car to drive up to Cochrane, and he kept the truck. When I was back up, up there, well, before I went up, I got off the phone. And I walked out the door, and I was walk, pacing. And I'm walking. In my mind, I'm pounding God on the chest. God will allow you to do that. But I was pounding on the chest. I can't do this. I know what that sermon's going to be about tomorrow. I don't want to listen to it. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Miracle of marriage? Forget it. It's a misery of marriage. I don't want to listen to it. And now he's looking for me. I can't do this. There's no way I can do this. But you know, God loves me. I know you told me that you love me. I can't do it. I can't do it. And I'm walking across, and I come into one of those strip malls, you know, where there's uh, several stores and a uh, parking lot out front and everything. And I'm walking cr- across, and I'm, God, don't do this. And I heard this voice saying, Allison, I could never hurt you. I love you too much. Okay, I'm a nurse, remember? My first reaction, okay, I've lost it. I'm out in left field. I've already lost it. There were two workmen working on one of the storefronts. And I heard one of the workmen say to the Allison, who's Allison? Who loves Allison? God, really? God spoke to me at that time that I needed to hear him speak. And you know something? He speaks to each one of us too. 
It may not be audible necessarily the way I had it audible, but he is there. And he has demonstrated over and over and over. So I go the next morning to church where they're going to have that sermon, marriage and myth marriage. Yeah, right. So Dr. Nelson is talking about the miracles and myths. And then he said this. I don't, I don't remember too much of the sermon. I have to read the notes to remember anything. But I do remember this. I'm sitting basically where this couple was sitting, Dave and his wife. I'm assuming your husband and wife? Yeah. Um, so I, see, I, like we make assumptions. I was sitting about where Dave and his wife are sitting. And I'm listening to Dr. Nelson going through these miracles, and I'm saying, oh. And then he came out and he said the poignant words. Visitors, stop up ears. Close your ears. I want to talk to the Seventh-day Adventist Church family right now. If you're not a member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church family, just close your ears. I had not given up my membership. I was baptized when I was 13. I had not given it up. So I said, okay, I'm, I'm a member. Okay, what's he going to say? Church members, if any of you hear or see or suspect that someone is being abused, step in and end it. I burst into tears. And that was the first time that I began to realize it's not my fault. Really? It's not my fault? We serve an amazing God. He does not believe in abuse. He does not believe in people putting each other down. Just because you might be small in stature or big in stature, or whether you're female or whether you're male, he doesn't care. He loves us. And he wants us to love him in return. So please, please, remember that God rose from the dead. Right? And we can have a life because he rose from that grave. If he had not risen from that grave, well, the abuse finishes off and just kill me and put me out of my misery. But he lives. Almighty God. <sighs> Father, you have brought us through so much. But you have endured so much. It's going to be a wonderful day when we can meet face to face. When we can lay our crowns at your feet. And finally, thank you in person. Father, go with each one of us. Don't remain in this building by yourself, but go with each one of us as we depart from here to carry out the tasks that you have played, laid out for us this coming week. Father, open our eyes to see what you want us to see so that we can act on your behalf. Open our ears so that we can hear what you want us to hear so we can act on what you want us to do. Make our hands safe 
and loving. Make our feet swift to run interference for those who are suffering in an abusive situation. Keep us attuned to you, Father, and bring us safely here again next week if it is your will. But prepare each one of us so that we will be ready when your son comes to take us home because that day is got to come and we want to go home. So bless each one of us. May your countenance shine upon us so that we reflect your beauty. May your love fill us so that we will reflect that love to those around us. Bless each one of us that we are, will be truly your children in this coming week. I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.